Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Ice Cold Podcast. I'm your host, Colby Laveson. This week, we've got Jackson Weber on the podcast. He is the VP of Sales at Loyal, a solar company, and he's had a very successful career in sales thus far. He has competed in bodybuilding competitions, is an overall athlete, and he's had success in several different ventures and industries. So really looking forward to you all having the chance to hear my conversation with Jackson. Thanks for tuning in. All right, Jackson, your your energy is contagious, man. We, we talked uh, about a week or two back and immediately knew I wanted to have you on the show. So appreciate you taking some time coming on here. Of course, brother. Appreciate you having me. I uh, immediately noticed the, the Arnold in the back of you, in your oh, background gotcha, there. I see yeah. Arnold. And and it's funny I'm I'm on the third episode of his documentary on Netflix right now and I'm loving it. I mean it's been been incredible. I know I know you've done some some bodybuilding competitions recently. What was that preparation like going into that? Yeah, dude. Um, I just so October seventh um, was actually my first competition. Um, dude, the, the prep was pretty crazy. I was eating like in the bulk, I was eating about 5,500 calories. Um, and then, you know, I cut back to less than 2000, but it was going all the way. I, I never felt like uh comfortable, right. Which is obviously a, a good <laughs> thing, you know, but it was like, I was either eating way too much or I was like, holy cow, going to bed hungry. Um, but yeah, as far as the nutrition standpoint, it was, you know, eating a ton or not eating a lot. And then in the gym, it was when I was bulking, it was just two hour crank sessions. And then you start, you know, dialing back some of that time and putting into the stair stepper, which isn't fun either, but, uh, the end result was super fun. So that's, that's cool. And how did you decide you were going to enter that competition? That's something you've been thinking about for years or just recently gotten into yeah, I mean, I've been lifting ever since I was probably in fifth or sixth grade. I kind of CrossFit kind of got me into the fitness world, I feel like. And then bodybuilding has just always been fun to me. But it was more of those one of those bucket list items, you know, and I think I'll come back around to it. But um, yeah, it was it was amazing. Fun experience. That's awesome. It's always a good feeling to get something off that bucket list and get out of your comfort zone. I'm sure you learned a lot from that. And mm-hmm. and we're super early in the year here. We're about midway through January. And you seem like the kind of guy who's laser focused starting out the year. What What's your mindset heading into this year? Well, I'm actually switching back a little bit to more endurance events. So I'm actually just in the beginning stages of training for a sub three marathon is what I'm going for this year. And it's interesting because before all my goals were, oh, I, I want to accomplish this, right? Like I want to go do, you know, a half Ironman or run a marathon or anything, right? And like with minimal to no training and now it's like, okay, I want to start like hitting benchmarks. So instead of now it's like, okay, once I, the sub three marathon is like, that's what I'm going to do. And until I do it, like I'm not even like, you know, you know, switch up my goals or anything which is actually, it kind of ties into the the uh, Arnold doc, which is super interesting. And I'm glad that you mentioned that. But isn't it just fascinating that, I mean, obviously, he's amazing. And I feel bad that I'm covering him up a little bit right here, you know, but it's the coolest thing that I think about Arnold is that everything that he did, he just became like, like you're saying, laser focused, super committed to whatever he did. 
every career change in his life, people said, you can't do that, right? You can't be a bodybuilder. You're a poor kid in another country, whatever, right? You can never be a movie star. You can never be a politician, right? It's like, it's just so cool to see somebody who's very versatile because there's a lot of people, right, that we look up to who are amazing in one thing and that's their thing and then they fall out and they're done. But anyways, just have to give props to Arnold for that. Super cool. Now to reach the pinnacle in three different industries like that and a wide variety too. I mean, you don't see many bodybuilders that act and you don't see many bodybuilders or actors that become governors of states and have success in political campaigns. I mean, it, I'm, I'm learning a ton. I've really, really enjoyed it. So mm -hmm. you're, you've got a sales background. How many years have you been in sales now? Um, my sales background, I've, this is, I'm going on my sixth year in sales. So I did a summer actually before I went on the mission, not a full summer. Cause I was in high school playing ball and stuff, but that's kind of where I got my feet wet. And this, uh, 2024 will be my sixth year. Wow. And you're not your typical sales bro. I feel like, I feel like a lot of sales guys kind of dabble a little bit. They're doing a year or two, just trying to get by, pay for college, whatever it is. And you've, you've ran with that. And now you're in an established role at loyal. What are you guys building at loyal and what has given you the, the energy, the vision to, to make this a career? Yeah, I think a couple of interesting things that you touch on there. I think, um, yeah, a lot of people use sales as as it can either be like a full blown vehicle to get you where you want, or they kind of use it to aid them in different things. I've had friends that have you know done sales for a summer or you know for a few years and been able to pay for their med school with no debt, right? So I'm not like as far as sales go, I'm not super biased, right? Like it can it can be used, I think, as like a tool to get you where you want, wherever, right? And for some people, that's okay. I just want to focus in, make as much money as I can for whatever it is, 10 years, um, and then be able to do whatever I want. For some people, it's they want to use it to fuel them to get to med school, whatever, right? Um, Loyal, Loyal's been amazing. Um, it's been super cool to, yeah, like you're saying, be more involved and on a little bit higher level um, than I had been previously. One of the coolest thing though, is like, no matter what, you know, level you're at or really like what company you're at, the coolest thing is just seeing people, seeing reps, seeing people progress, right? Seeing a guy come out, whether it's for a blitz trip or for the summer and then go home and quit his job. Like, um, me and, and my partner for a few years, Brigham Gardner, um, I'll give him a shout out. That was like our most like satisfying thing right like when you know you finally have somebody come out on a, a trip a blitz a blitz trip right and they do super good and and then they see the vision and they're like dude i should go all in on this and then they quit their job and like you're saying get laser focused it's super cool so i you know no matter where you're at, i think that the progression of of yourself and others around you is the coolest part about it it's got to be rewarding, a fulfilling industry to be in when you can see people kind of get that freedom to control their own destiny. And and what's some advice for someone trying to get into sales? Maybe they've they've heard bad things about sales or they're timid or they're scared. What's what's some advice you'd give someone who's kind of teetering there? Yeah, I think it's funny because everyone that's probably in sales was had, had was at that point 
or they had done sales for a year and then they're like, oh, I'm never going to do sales again. And then you do it again. And then you start getting better and building and growing, right? Um, my advice for somebody like that would just be to do it. I would say um, commit yourself. I, I think the um, what you're selling, right, or the company that you go to, I don't think that matters as much as your commitment level, right? Because wherever you go and whatever you're selling, um, and whatever company you're selling at, you know, if you quit halfway through the summer, it's like, what, you know, what's the point of even going out? And so I, I would say the commitment level is the most important thing. And if you're willing to be committed, then, then go out and do it. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. It says, especially from someone like yourself, who's been in it for several years now, and, and you've kind of established yourself. Another thing is, I think a common misconception is that, sales is just one specific thing or there's only certain products that get sold they're solar past these different things but every day i mean everyone is either selling or being sold in every industry i mean i'm i've been in sports mainly and i just recently kind of transitioned into the insurance world but even in sports i mean you're getting recruited you're being sold in any team you're a part of the coach is trying to sell you a vision sell you a dream sell you a goal that, that everyone can come go accomplish. And you're even being sold roles. Like, hey, here's your role on this team. Hey, you're going to go play second base. You're going to play first. You're going to be a shooting guard. You're going to come off the bench. I mean, there's just selling is happening all around us. And I think there's kind of a preconceived notion against salespeople when in reality, I mean, you guys are just – what you're doing is is being transparent about what you're doing. Everybody else is just kind of you got all these fancy titles and different things. I, I I respect that about salespeople, and I like I like the communication skills that are developed from sales. I think that goes a long way in all aspects of life. Um, kind of tying it back into the the solar industry that you're in now. I know there's been some transition over the past year or so, different legislation. Where do you see the solar industry going in the next five, three to five years? Yeah, that's a great um, that's a great question. It really it depends and it varies by state. Um, so the states that we're in right now, we've only seen them getting better and, and better. Um, our bread and butter was uh, California for a few years. Um, we don't do a ton in California anymore. But but that's the thing that I love about solar too. And you have something like you have something like pest control and, and alarms, which is awesome. And those are very steady, right? So that's one of the things that is awesome about pest control and solar is it's like, you know, it's, I mean, I think it's pretty like recession proof, right? Like you can sell in any, you can sell in a ton of states, right? Solar is a little bit different where it's like, um, you can have basically because the way that solar works is it's tied back into the grid back into the uh, energy company in that you know city or state or whatever and if something happens to the connection there like in california what happened is they started they started basically um taking the energy away so the energy that you would feed back to the grid i'm not trying to get into too much depth here but the energy that you feed back to the grid they would take it and keep it right so like it just makes less sense over time. But then, you know, if if it makes less sense in that state, then there's always another opportunity in another state, right? And so solar, I, I don't see solar going anywhere unless 
the sun somehow happens to the sun, bro. It could happen, <laughs> you know, if the sun goes out. Um, but another funny I, I think, thing I was like, I think we'd we'd have we'd have bigger problems than uh, than solar sails if something yeah, were to go wrong. Dude, we, yeah, <laughs> yeah, bigger problem. Um, but something that I want to mention too that that you hit on is when it comes to like uh, recruiting and the whole like um, I guess like sales bro vibe, right? I think the reason that it that sales might have a bad stigma is is that there is like a very low barrier to entry right? Like you can decide tomorrow you want to go sell. And if you're determined, you're committed, anyone will pick you up and, and teach you how to sell. Right. And if you want to learn it, like you can, it's one of those things that really just like requires effort, you know, versus somebody who's in more of like a pristine, um, sales role, maybe a, a medical salesman or something like that, who you have to learn, you have to go to, to years of school, whatever it might be, you have these prerequisites. And so I, I think that's where the stigma comes from. But there's also a big stigma around recruiting. And I was going to mention that, like, really, the way that you and I met was you recruiting me to insurance, right? And it's like, regard, like, pe sometimes people's relationships hinge too much on, like, the recruiting aspect. And I just wanted to throw that out there and mention that because actually, I was, you know, I was at, at lunch with Riley the uh, a week ago, and we were we were just talking about that. And I was like, dude, it's like, even though we didn't end up doing it, like there was no bridges burned because of it. Like, you know, if anything, we, you know, made a friendship. So I just want to mention yep. that because I think that's interesting. Yeah, I think a lot of it goes to how you go about things and whether you're genuinely in it for relationships, whether you're looking to network and connect with different people in different industries. And you're only going to recruit someone that you see potential in. You're not going to go recruit someone who you don't think has a chance to succeed because that would that would jeopardize the friendship. And so I, I, I respect I respect salespeople. I respect recruiters because, I mean, you're learning a lot of life skills and you touched on how there's a low barrier to entry. Anybody could do it. But that's also what provides a peace of mind once you have acquired those skills, because say something were to happen with loyal or any company you're at, you'll always have the skills that you're learning. Now you can take them and adapt them to a different industry. And so while salesmen, there's that kind of fear at the beginning that you might be lost or whatever on the flip side, once you gain that confidence, that skill set, you're able to apply that to whatever. And so, and, and we talk all the time, the company I work for hypothetically, if something were to happen who would be the first people to get laid off? And it would be everyone that is doing just technical things. The salespeople, because they're commission, they eat what they kill. And so there's no reason to ever attack salesmen because, I mean, you're generating revenue for companies and you're generating commissions for yourself. And so it's it's right. it's unique. It's unique. Well, dude, yeah, it's, it's so interesting too when you start like dissecting business and really like I look at it as like, two sides of business, right? Like there's a revenue generating side of business, which is like marketing and sales and SEO and all that stuff. Right. And then you have like the operational side and, yeah. you know, obviously, you know, we think alike and everyone in sales is obviously on the revenue generating side. Um, but I think the, the operation, like it's very important, the operational side, but um, you know, it's also kind of like, like risky, I think in a way right? To, to be on that side. And so like, 
the same thing. It's like if you ran a marketing agency, right? Just like you're saying, and the company, one of your clients were to go out of business, you could offer the same services to somebody else. So it's just interesting. Like once you know how to generate revenue, like just applies to so many aspects of life and, and you can just replicate it over and over. Yeah. And you've, you've had success in sales. You've been able to generate a lot of commissions for yourself and you've been able to build companies as you're building it loyal and you've been smart with your money. You've put a good amount of money into real estate. And that's something that really intrigues me. My wife and I, we talk about wanting to get into investment properties and all sorts of stuff all the time. So what, what drove you, what attracted you to real estate? That's a good question. Um, I don't exactly know what it is. You know, I kind of go on these little. So after getting home um, from my mission, I, I actually got home and I went out a month later to go sell pest control. And from the time and I was doing school at the time, too. So I was taking classes at BYU online and I was selling pest control right after the mission. And it was interesting. Like I. Um, for two years, I constantly looked at real estate, like every day, analyzing deals, um, YouTube, I'm a huge advocate of YouTube university. Like there's so much free information to be learned. Even, you know, if you're safe on like Reddit or something, like there's so <laughs> much to be learned Twitter. Right. And so, um, I kind of just dove into this rabbit hole of like, this is super cool. I feel like I can do this. Right. Like. To me, real estate really comes down to like, obviously you have to know the market and there's, there's things to know, but it really comes down to simple math, right? So me not being a very smart dude, I'm like, dude, if I can do this simple math, you know, um, then it'd be awesome. And I have people that I look up to like Brody Fawcett that, you know, he's huge into real estate. There's other people around me that I've seen be successful in that. And so I think that's probably what, uh, what drew me towards it. And, and pulling the trigger on the first deal, what was that like? I mean, were you nervous? Were you like, oh, well, the math is supposed to be adding up. What was that like? Were there any hiccups? So I think, so this is real. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard, you've, you've probably heard this, but um, Alex Hormozzi has this mental framework. Um, there's, I think there's six steps, but you start with um, uninformed, um, Let's see, uninformed optimism. Let me make sure I'm saying that right. The first one is, um, oh, here it is. Yeah, uninformed optimism. So it's super, so like uninformed optimism is like, holy cow, my buddy, he's in real estate. He's, he's making it. a ton of money. Like, I'm going to go do that. Holy cow, right? And then from there, you go to informed pessimism, where it's like, you start looking at deals. You're like, dude, none of these deals pencil. Plus, I'm going to need $100,000 to get this deal done. Plus, I don't even know where to get leads, right? And so, and that's when most people, I feel like, give up, right? Or their buddy's doing e-commerce and he's doing really well, right? I mean, we've seen this in so many different industries. And I feel like everyone, everyone's probably been on both sides, right? I've been on, on both sides of it where I'm like, oh, yeah, e-commerce would be dope. Shopify, this and that. And then I get into it, I'm like, oh not super passionate about it, right? For some reason, um, real estate just kind of, it, it stuck with me. Um, but the next step in that is crisis meaning and crash and burn, which is where, and that's four and five, or uh, 
that's three and four, which is where you get into something. And this for me in real estate was I got into something. I had two properties under contract in Northern Utah. Um, I, dude, I did not know like what I was doing at all. I was doing back of the map, uh, napkin math. And I had two properties under contract. Like I had extended my closing multiple times. I was like selling my dad on like being a, you know, doing a JV deal with me. And I'm very glad that I didn't end up doing those because once I started to learn about it, I realized that was a crappy deal. And one of those buildings is still on the market today, like almost three years later. Right. So, um, but like you go through that. Right. So then I went through that of like, after that was my crash and burn. Like that's number four with Alex Morley's is crash and burn. I was like, dude, I'm not doing this. This is so dumb, whatever. Um, and it was actually Brody Fawcett that got me back into it. Um, started running some numbers and everything. And I actually got connected with a realtor up in Idaho. And I think almost everything in, um, almost everything in, uh, real estate. I mean, almost everything in general, right. Is not how much, you know, but who, you know, right. And so I got connected with him. He had done, um, a deal with my friend and he was able to help me find my first deal. And I'm super, super happy that I stayed the course, but it's just interesting because obviously Alex Hormoz is great, but um, it's very interesting to see like the fall off points where most people fall off. And then obviously number six and that is achievement. So it's, you know, it's, it's tough, but if you stay the course, like you'll get your outcome and dude, my first deal was not, it wasn't my best deal. Right. So then there's still a little bit of, you know, crash and burn there, but then everything's just been, been better since. So hearing, hearing that process is awesome. And, uh, and what are some of the lessons you've learned since those first couple of deals? Um, so like, for example, I don't know how many stories you want, but no, um, no fire, fire away. All right. So, I mean, for my place up in Idaho, it was super funny because um, and just being super vulnerable, right? I, I was super new and everything. So the rents I had the, the, it was fully occupied and the rents were at eight fifty. And I mean, it wasn't, I mean, it was my fault. Right. But the, the, um, you know, everyone was telling me I could get the rents up closer to like 13 or 1400. And so what I, what, I, what we actually did, and I don't, I don't really know, you're probably not allowed to do this, but like I took a picture and posted it on i can't remember probably facebook marketplace and within an hour for like 1350 so right in that price range that i wanted right so within an hour i had people you know hitting me up and i'm like okay so i took it down i'm like great there's interest like that was basically just to validate my price point and what i could get per unit and so anyways i buy the place and i tell the property management company hey i want like 1400 uh, dollars per it was a fourplex. I want fourteen hundred bucks per unit, right? And obviously, it's like in in my mind, it was like, yeah, everyone just has people skills. If somebody comes to them and they're like, I can't do fourteen hundred, but like I could do twelve hundred, whatever, then they would get them in there for twelve hundred. Because obviously, dude, I want ten grand a unit if I can get it, right? But <laughs> that wasn't happened. So, anyways, what had happened is they went back to the tenants that are paying eight hundred and fifty dollars. Right. And they're like, hey, your rent's going from 850 to 1400 bucks. And everyone left. <laughs> right. <laughs> so now I have, you know, depending on the month, I had like 
one to two tenants in there and I'm floating this thing and I'm like, dude, what happened? So I called the property management company and they're like, well, nobody wanted to pay 1400 And I'm like, well, okay, well, if they want to pay 1200 I would be fine for that. If they want to pay a thousand bucks, I'm, you know, and so better, that was, was <laughs> yeah, no, it's better than nothing. So anyways, like, you know, to be honest, I ended up flowing that for probably, you know, eight months and it was, it was a hard lesson to learn. Right. But it was, you know, it was a good lesson. So I ended up also, you know, switching property management companies as well, but it's just, it's one of those little things though, that you would never learn. I mean, well, you know, I could, I could, there's plenty of people that could help you understand that, right? Like that was a pretty rookie mistake, but like a lot of these things you never learn unless you like get into it and you actually do it. And I remember like, I remember sitting and, and, uh, you know, studying at school and I had 700 bucks hit my account and I was like, dude, this is awesome. Cash flow. This is great. And that was all I had. That was the whole payment from the property management company to go and, and pay my mortgage. And I didn't even realize that. So anyway, this is like, dude, I was just so, so naive, but so I want to get into it so bad. Um, and you, you just have to make the leaps, man. That's a, that's a great story. And it reminds me of a quote. They always say the best time to look for a job is, is when you have a job. It sounds like the best time to look for renters is, is when you have renters. Yeah. (laughs) So so you're at BYU, right? Yeah. So how far along are you? I know with sales, I'm sure you've probably taken some time off here and there just to focus on sales and what, Mm -hmm. what are you majoring in? And then how far along are you? Yeah. So I'm, I'm pre-business. So I haven't actually picked um, a route as far as, you know, what I want to major in. Um, I take right now I'm in 10 credits. So I'm like, right. Close to close to full time, just right below it. I gotcha. Do you, you, are you leaning a certain way? It's funny. If I have any advice for you, it would be, I'm, I'm impressed that you didn't just pick business administration or business management. That's what I did. And so that's what I ended up majoring in. But I really wish I would have gone finance or accounting, just something that is more direction. Business management is what they called it at UVU. I think it's business administration uh-huh. at, at BYU. Yeah. But it's fu- it's funny because you learn a little of everything. It's like, yeah, okay, great. I am not great at anything, but I'm I'm decent at everything. You know what I mean? So Yeah. Well, no, that's that's great that you mentioned that and I appreciate the advice because I've been asking people the same thing. Um the easiest like I'm either leaning be, be between like that, like a business business strat, business administration major or like entrepreneurship. Um, but both of those are like, you're not really like to your point, like you're not um, graduating with like a hard skill. Right. And I've actually heard multi, like I've got that advice from multiple people. And so, yeah, that's, that's why I'm thinking potentially like finance or accounting or something like that. But dude, every, every day is different with school, man. I wake <laughs> up and I'm like, I mean, I, I feel like a ton of people are that way. I wake up and I'm like, what am I doing? Yeah. And for a piece of paper, you know, you can, you can, yeah. you can do either side of the argument. You know, it's like, Oh, college is a scam. You know, it's all this for all this money, all this time for a piece of paper. But on the flip side, now that I'm in a job, 
and I see, I work with lots of different companies and employees at different companies. I think the main thing out of college is just these companies want to see that you're able to finish something. You're able to yeah. stick through a long project and come out on the other end. And so that that's that's kind of my my, my well, take dude, on that. It's yeah, no, and this I I really enjoyed like talking about this too, but it's interesting because everyone that I look up to in the business world, you know, like all, obviously like the main, I don't know if I'd call them gurus, but like the main faces on YouTube, like Alex and Hormozy and, and Cody Sanchez and like all these people that have had great business success that I, you know, listen to their podcast. I listen to a podcast called my first million a lot. And dude, they all, they all went to college. They all graduated college, right? They were all, um, for a lot of them, it's like, uh, they call it like just, you know, four year, like vacation for your party period. Right. But like they got <laughs> through and got it done. So it's just interesting. Like I, I really like to look at like the correlation between successful people. Right. And I grew up and I grew up in a family, like my grandpa, he always told me the longer you go to school, the more money you'll make. Right. I grew up in a family of doctors and like, that's just kind of. That's how I grew up. And my dad is completely open to me doing whatever I want. But um, it, it's interesting. And I, I don't want to like deviate too much. But obviously, there's in the in the sales entrepreneurship world, it's very interesting because and Alex actually talked about this on one of his podcasts, but it's interesting because everyone preaches morning routine, right? Everyone preaches like all this like crazy stuff, right? Having a a big long routine. And I feel like I've, I've gone through all of it, dude. I've like done the journaling. Like I went through a huge ice bath, um, phase last year. And it's, it's obviously like his thing is like from the time that you wake up, just lessen the amount of time from when you wake up to when you start working. And as you look at like the correlation between, okay, this successful person, what's their morning routine, this successful person, what's their morning routine. There ends up being like, as far as I've looked into it, there's no exact correlation, right? That's like, okay, this successful person, every successful person I do, or I know, they sit in the sauna for 30 minutes a day. Like, I haven't found that, right? So it's like all these yeah. little things where it's like, oh, this, this will get you to the next level. This will be amazing, right? It's like, how valid is it? But college is one of those things where almost every a lot of the people I look up to went to college, right? So that's one of those like common denominators. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if that makes sense, but it's just interesting oh, no, to it, look at. No, it makes sense a hundred percent. And it's cool that you value that from other people going to college, getting your degree, because in sales I know like you're making cash. So it's like, oh, I'm making this cash. I could not. So I I uh, I commend you for for going back. And it's funny, I I grew up in a family that's the opposite. So my grandfather has started several successful businesses. He's in the Entrepreneurship Hall of Fame, did not go to school. He went to he went to school for like a year and a half, dropped out. My dad did not go to school. He went to trade school for a little bit. And but they are all like, "Oh, you don't have to," you know, but in my mind like how I view it is like I want my kids I want my kids to know that I have a degree, you know, and like, "Hey, dad went to school, you got to go to school and it's getting more competitive out there. Just, you got to have a degree to even be in consideration for a lot of opportunities. And what, yeah. what's your stance, what's your stance on like, uh, getting an MBA or doing more school after you get your bachelor's degree? 
That's a good question. Before I answer that, your your grandpa is the one that owns the uh, firm that you work at, right? Yep. Yeah. Company, so this is this is the third different company that he started in the insurance industry. So he's he's had a ton of success, and he he knows how to do Bro, it. I've heard he's a G man. Riley was <laughs> telling me some details. He's he's crazy, bro. That's awesome. Yeah. No, he's he's he. I mean, he's eighty two now. He's he's an animal. I, I need to get him on the podcast, really. Dude, that's awesome. Um, sorry, what was your question again? Oh, an MBA. No, so, yeah, what's your stance on just more education? Not even doesn't have to be an MBA, a master's, whatever it is. Yeah, I don't know. I I've always been pretty turned off to that uh, because to your point, like I agree with your point of people want to see you be able to do something hard, right? And I think even like you know the mission is great for a bunch of different reasons, but like that's one of the that's one of the benefits of a mission, right? Just showing that you can stick out some some tough right um i don't see myself doing like an mba program or something like that i see myself i don't know i feel like i would be more of like an anti-mba where it's like you know have have the same goals and aspirations and build the same business credibility without doing it you know yeah no i i not not, not the discredit like dude people with mbas are are amazing like Oh yeah. So yeah. It's, I mean, no, no. they're way smarter than me. I'm just saying me personally, <laughs> like, dude, I don't even know if I could go do that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and there's the level of respect and it's not higher education, not for everybody. I haven't started an MBA. I go back and forth with the idea. I think about it, but I, I just, I don't know. And just, yeah. just to wrap up here, what are some of the most influential books for you? Give us maybe two or three and the impact that they had on you. Yeah. So, I mean, a staple I think is, uh, how to win friends and influence people. Um, uh, my favorite book that I've ever read is chop wood, carry water. The subtitle is, um, I believe it's something along the lines of the art of putting in the work or the art of becoming great, something like that. But, but the essence of the book is like, it's it's a super cool book that talks about this kid who wants to become a samurai warrior and which is I was like what the heck this is weird but he like for most of the book he's chopping wood and carrying water and his sensei is teaching him lessons and so it's just the whole idea of like you have to put in the work and put in the input to be able to get the output and you can't you can't move too fast so chop wood carry water is probably my favorite book um Another one that I really like too that I just got done reading is Be Your Future Self Now. It's really interesting to like put yourself in, and I think most successful people probably have this mental framework, but like thinking of yourself in five, you know, a year, three years, five years, 10 years, right? And and thinking of where you want to be and then asking yourself, am I even on that path? And it's crazy like how many parts of life or how many times we're like not even progressing towards where we want to be at you know and we're just kind of flowing through life so that, that's what yeah, i'd no, say i i appreciate those recommendations i know we talked about uh be your future self now i need to order it need to get on that and the chop wood carry water i haven't read that how to win friends and influence people i feel like is a classic that most people yeah. have read and there's just so many nuggets in there so i'm looking forward to to diving into to these other two well, Jackson, mm -hmm. I appreciate you. I appreciate you coming on here. And I know you're destined for big things. You're doing big things currently and excited to see what all you do in the future, man. 
Thanks, Colby. Appreciate everything you do. This is super, super cool podcast. Super cool to, to see you do, doing what you're doing. So appreciate it, man. All right. Thanks, brother.